Hello, and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How we doing, people? Are we ready for something a little different this week? Oh, I am. I'm excited about this. I, li- I love the way you, you put this together. It's still true crime. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're, I mean, we're not doing, uh, people have been complaining that we have, there's not enough moida. This is, a, there's still a lot of violence in this episode. It's just got right. better endings. You know once. what this is? This is like a true crime highlight reel we're about to play for you right now. Yeah, These we've got are, sub, like many cases all packed into this. Is We've done this a few times where we, we mash together kind of like the, uh, um, the Lotto Winner series where we right. covered multiple cases in one. Yeah, this is we... a we, we've we've alluded a little bit and talked a little bit on just the banter. If you're a Patreon member, you know um, we've talked a little bit about how there needs to be a handbook for how to get away from an abductor slash serial killer. I'm sure there right. is out there, but we we thought about making a true crime guys version of it. You know, like because we've studied so many cases now, right? And we've seen what works and what doesn't work. And that's not obviously like foolproof. It's not going to be 100% effective, but of course not. We got to get some disclaimers like, on that book for sure. Yeah, maybe like <laughs> vaccine level effective. Like if we can get it in okay. the 90s, <laughs> nice. then we'll be happy. <laughs> so, what we've done this week is thrown together a bunch of examples of people escaping and surviving against violent attackers slash abductors. So, we've got a, a nice little collection. And at the end, we've got a case. Oh my God. That was presented to us by a listener, Danny, who yeah. we had a creeper conversation with on Patreon. And she said, Oh, you know, we, we, get, we pitched this idea that we were doing yeah. this week. And she said, Oh, you need to do this case. She now. went over like, to her. Sounds so She went familiar. over to her Rolodex and she was like, I got something for that. Hold on. Hold on one second. Let me see. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Gets away. Here we go. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. But it is, a, it, yeah. is, it is the top story today. I, I can't wait it, to talk about that one. But we, but all it's an unbelievable survival story. Yeah. Unbelievable survival story. And. What's crazy is when she told me the the you know a quick little snippet of the details of that case, I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And then I was like, that's right, my dad told me about this case because he knew he knew the victim's sister or he knew the victim's uh, the victim's brother brother. He knew the victim's brother. He worked with him, and so my dad told me about this case a long time ago, and I was like, why does it sound so familiar? So I called my dad and got more details on that as well, so oh, we can add nice. that in. You have some insider info on that case, but uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Hell yeah, it's always nice to have somebody that's there. Yeah. And I actually have an abduction story involving my grandfather. My grandfather was abducted at one point, and we'll, so we'll talk about that mm. as well. I'm excited about this. I don't think I know this story. I forgot about it until wow. uh, when I talked to my dad about that case. He was like, oh yeah, your grandfather was abducted too. Well, Vegas was fucking wow, wild Wow, I back don't in the even day. know you anymore. How could you just... Wow. <laughs> I mean, given our relationship too, and you just never... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, we'll get it. Let's get, let's play the intro. We'll, we'll get into this later. All right. All right. The following testimony is from Jennifer Asbinson. She was the only one of nine women to survive an attack by homicidal madman Andrew Yerdiales. A little guy pulls up in a car, and when I say a little, he didn't seem big or scary. He wasn't threatening at all. He was just going to leave, basically. So. I went over and he said, I know I'm a stranger. You shouldn't take a ride with a stranger. And I laughed and I said, you know, everything was like, who would say that if they were some crazy? He pulled up, dropped me off at the house that I worked at with the crippled children. And he said, along the way, he had asked the hours I worked there. I was really naive. I told everybody everything. I trusted everybody. The car pulled up to me and it was him. And he was really nice, and at first I got scared, and I thought, should I run? Then no, no, because he pulled up saying, hi, did you want to go to breakfast? And I thought, this guy just doesn't get it. He's just a nerd. It was just really bizarre going from 
being calm and normal and thinking somebody was really nice. And then all of a sudden, them pulling a gun out to your head. I thought it was a joke. I remembered all the things I told my friends before. If anything were to ever happen to me, I would leave a shoe behind, but I was already in the car. And then I just was thinking a lot. So much that I couldn't even listen to one thought. Then he pulls a, a knife out from the side of the, the seat and a bunch of twine and it all just happened so fast. My head went into the, into the, um, into the dashboard and I thought I would just um, go along with what he was doing just because I thought maybe he wouldn't hurt me if I did. I said, are you going to rape me? What are you going to do to me? Well, you're not going to get away with it. People know me around here. Everybody knows me. They're driving up and down the roads right now. And so he just leaned over. He put a hat on me, and he put sunglasses on me. And I said, oh, hat and sunglasses is really going to help. And so he put my seat all the way back. And I just sat there staring at the roof as he bring me to the middle of nowhere. So we're calling this episode Run, Hide, Fight, Improvise, Tools to Escape a Killer. Perfect. And we're hoping that this podcast might save a life or two. You know, if someone listens to this and, and uh, it, like, it is sort of an instruction manual on, you know, how to potentially get out of the grasps of a violent A lot of defender. these things you may have picked up through true crime. Oh, But yeah, it's, sure. it's helpful Some to of have it is obvious in a list. Some of it is obvious, but it's also important to drill this into your head because, you know... Like with a fighter, you, you drill things over and over again, and it becomes second second nature. It becomes instinctual. Right. You throw that jab enough times, you do it, and it, when it, when it, the pressure's on, you'll still. That's do what it. I'm saying. When the adrenaline's pumping, when everything is on the line, you're freaking out in your brain. Your body will know what to do. Mm -hmm. Still. Yeah. That's right. You will res you will revert to your level of training, right? Yeah. That's very true. That's right. So these first couple examples, we've actually covered because we've covered these infamous serial killers slash pre-killers from these first couple cases. So 
Um, this is an example of hiding to escape. You know, sometimes it works. Sometimes. Oftentimes it doesn't. But in this in this instance, with Corazon Amaro, uh, she hid, and a serial killer, serial killer forgot about her, or spree killer, spree Richard killer. Speck, in 1966 during his murder spree that lasted almost six hours after forcing his way into the Chicago home of nine female student nurses. He systematically robbed, raped, beat, and strangled, and stabbed eight of them. Only one survived, and that was Corazon, who had opened the front door to him that fateful night. That's crazy that the, the person he that opened her. the door, the first person he saw there was the one that survived out of all of them. Wow. Um, she had opened that door, and she chose during his spree to hide under a bed and play dead. Speck later said that he lost count of the women during the, the carnage because he was so intoxicated. She would end up fleeing the scene and finding help and would uh, ultimately provide a sketch of Speck, including details about his born-to-raise-hell tattoo and later testified against him in court. Yes, and that's what so we see. to get him convicted. I was about to say, a lot of these victims that got away played big parts uh, in the conviction in of their ultimately perpetrator. Ultimately convicting these criminals. Yes, yeah, this was insane. Speck was just so out of his mind. He he just he just lost count, right? Yeah. But this is great. Yeah. If like yep. if just a few of these girls knew about these techniques, man, you know? Imagine what they right. could have done with eight or nine of them. They could have teamed up on him. But it this this case still blows my mind. I know we talked about it during the case, but if he's going through one after one after another, I mean, are these other girls not hearing screams or or banging around, or anything like that, you know? It's just, right. it's surprising to me that he took eight victims that night. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sad. But it just goes to show, I mean, if you're not prepared for that sort of thing, you, you can freeze. You can freeze. That's a, that can, can be a real response. Also, I mean, I'm sure, you attacked, I'm sure you attacked several of them when they were either sleeping right. or, yeah, and it's just chaos. Yeah, you have no idea what's going on. Imagine waking to that. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, so that's on the lower end of um, things that uh, that's not the the preferred method. I would say hiding. It's sometimes it's. I think it rarely is going to work out for you right. if you try to hide within a house when someone's after you, unless you have uh, already called for help. You know, if you've already called for nine one one, then hiding might buy you enough time for the cops to get there. But and if and if the person doesn't know, like maybe someone's breaking into your house and they think you're not at home. They have no idea how many people are inside. Exactly then that would yeah. be a time where you could hide and arm yourself at the same time. That yeah. might would be a good move, just in case you are found, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So, infamous Ted Bundy. Never heard of him. Uh, in 1974, Carol Duranch of Salt Lake City, Utah, narrowly escaped the clutches of Ted Bundy. He was dressed as a police officer. He approached Duranch in a parking lot, explained that her car had almost been stolen, and she said she needed to file a report with him. We covered this one <laughs> Almost been stolen? I'd be like, on Patreon. Uh, oh, sir, well, it's not, so I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and stolen, head out. So. Yeah. We, yeah. Uh, almost is not stolen, so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> she did, however, follow him to his Volkswagen and got inside where he quickly handcuffed her and tried to strike her with a crowbar. However, Durant resisted and fled. This is that. You know, fight and run and make yeah. a big scene. And she, that is the ultimate best way to do it when you're in a public setting. And she you know, did it's that. It's different if you're if they're in your home with you and there's no one else around. But in a public setting, if someone tries to get you to go with them, always fucking run, yeah. fight. And it's never too late. I mean, she had handcuffs on and she still got away. Mm -hmm. You know, that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. I can't believe the the Volkswagen didn't throw her off and be like, "What kind of cop drives a Volkswagen?" <laughs> like you know, like you must be undercover. How are you even going to put anybody in the back of your Volkswagen? Like you. <laughs> Yeah. This is the only kind of reports you do, uh, stolen vehicle reports. Yeah. 
Super That's one sucks. of those things where it's a, it's another it's another survival technique. Is like if it doesn't feel right, don't take the chance. Probably ain't. You know? Yeah. It, she must have just been like, this doesn't feel right, but I don't know. Like I don't want to make it awkward. Yeah. You know, if he actually is a cop or whatever. No, Which, fuck that. Like, I was gonna say brings up a whole nother problem is unmarked police cars. Though, police cars are getting like more and more sneaky. At, at yeah. least around here, man. There's like. Mustangs and challengers and shit that are undercover cops, and it's just they—you just don't expect it. it. They're not; they don't have permanent tags. They got regular tags, but they are—they got regular rims. It looks like a factory model, but that damn thing's mm-hmm. loaded with lights on the inside, and yeah. they're pulling people over with them left and right. But it's hard because you know you tell you tell people, especially especially young women, like don't pull over if the car is unmarked. You know, that was something that I was always told. It's what my mama told me. She's like, if anybody's trying to wave you to the side of the road and their car's unmarked, you do not pull over. If it's not a cop, you do right. not pull over. And But now, it's almost impossible to tell. Anybody can buy some flashing lights at AutoZone. Yeah, and I've seen YouTube videos of uh, police impo- imp- imposters getting caught as well, where they've pulled someone mm-hmm. over, or they're chastising them about speeding or whatever. And that's like best case scenario. Like the worst case is this is a... You know, someone who's trying to abduct somebody or, you know, it's a it's a dude impersonating a cop yeah. pulling over a woman and trying to take her or whatever. Exactly. And you, you can always call 911 and confirm that this is an actual police officer as well, or you can request their supervisor to come to the scene as well. Right. You don't, you know, you don't have to get out of your car until you're comfortable. That's right. That type of thing, so. That's right. So uh, her story provided police with important details about Bundy's abduction techniques. And in 1975, an officer pulled over Bundy in his Volkswagen uh, that's when they found all that shit that he had, you know, the handcuffs yeah. and everything else. Bloody crowbar, um, everything else, man. They would arrest him on that instance, uh, identified him as the culprit, um, Durant did, when she saw uh, him in a lineup. Right. And he was put behind bars until, of course, he escaped. God and we covered all that. It, Bundy. <laughs> in our Ted Bundy, of course. Yeah. He escaped Classic multiple Bundy. times. He was a sneaky little He's fucker. He's a slippery little bastard. With some yeah. crazy eyebrows. Yeah, man, Grinch-like. All right, let's move on to an example of bravery and fighting an attacker. In 2008, a brave nine-year-old Scotland boy fought and saved his mom's life from a brutal knife attacker during a home invasion. This is incredible. Seriously. Absolutely Nathan Nathan Thompson was aged just nine when he fought, or when he uh, was slashed in the face as he battled a brutal 39-year-old Hugh Clark who had launched a savage attack on his mother, Ina, during a home invasion. Clark, who was 39, could be caught and... uh, would be caught and imprisoned for eight and a half years after the bloodbath assault. He was an offshore worker who had forced his way into their home and began slashing 38-year-old Ina in front of the nine-year-old boy and his sister, who was 16. Courageous Nathan ran at the attacker, jumped on his back in a desperate bid to save his mom. He stabbed the boy in the face, missing the eye by millimeters, but Ina managed to escape thanks to her son. Um, And he would end up being honored with a string of bravery awards for his actions and added later, if after it happened, I knew he was... Uh, in prison and i felt safe and that's the other thing is like this a lot of times these people that escape it affects them forever um but the only peace they can have is when these attackers are behind bars and we'll see that reoccur throughout this is like although they he showed amazing bravery he was still very um he he couldn't sleep at night thinking that this guy was going to come back and and get of course not man can you imagine he's a kid has ptsd over this i'm sure at least he did for a while Right. I mean, this te- like listening to this and just imagining this in my in my mind just like almost brings me to tears, man. The bravery mm-hmm. of a nine year old. Imagine being nine. Yeah. 
and attacking right. a 39-year-old man with a knife. Yes, with, with a your knife. Bare hands, just jumping on and, his back, having nothing. And there's there's screaming and blood and violence. Mm. Even your 16-year-old sister is like, no, no, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you jump on his like that's that's insane, man. That kid's that kid's got it. Whatever it is, he's it's got like, it. Remember that kid a couple of years ago that uh, the girl had gotten attacked by a pit bull on the way home from school, and the, the, this boy who was only like seven or something had been doing jujitsu, and he like he got on the freaking pit bull's back and choked it, or held it in a, a chokehold, like a yeah. rear naked choke, until the uh, somebody could come and help and like save this little girl's life. She was like torn up. That's the best way to get I think a it dog. Was his sister, I think it was his younger sister that he saved, if I'm not mistaken. Hell yeah, that's awesome. But, yeah. That's awesome, and you yeah, can choke it. That's your best bet against like a, a large dog or a, get or it around a big the neck, cat. Yeah. Is it's strangulation? That's your best bet. You get that damn neck and don't let go, <laughs> one right. way or another. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, another example. In March 2017, a brave woman from Birmingham, Alabama, taught us how to get out if you're trapped in a car's trunk. The unidentified mm -hmm. woman was abducted as she walked to her apartment. A stranger approached and pulled out a gun. The suspect demanded money, but the woman said she didn't have any. He forced her back into the vehicle and drove off with her. Later, he made her get into the trunk and drove to several ATMs where he used her card, police say. The, in the parking lot of a Marathon gas station, she was able to open the trunk by using the safety latch inside. <laughs> she leapt out. Yeah, she leapt out as the man pulled, out, uh, pulled away in her car. Um, here's a quote from the gas station's owner. He says, this woman just popped out of a trunk. We brought her inside. We locked the door and called 911. She was safe. Every car, this is the this is the thing that, you know, if you don't know, you need to know that every car made in America after 2002 has an emergency latch inside, and right. they're usually uh, glow, glow in the, the dark. dark as well. Yeah. So if you're inside, you'll be able to find it. Um, I you noticed can pull on it and pop open those. the trunk. If it yeah. doesn't glow, you can feel around for it as right. well. And some uh, some cars will have a latch in the seat as well, where you can fold down the seat and push into the the back seat area the back seat of the car yeah there's a lot of models that have that too and mm. if you're in an old car fuck screaming screaming back, back beat that trunk because you trapped right oh yeah yeah if, if you if you hear the car come to a stop at a gas uh, at a uh, street light or at a gas station yeah. or something make a fucking See, scene for sure what, yeah what you do is if a kidnapper wants you to get in the trunk you say um sir could i ask what what year is this 2000 <laughs> Ooh, 2000 uh, i would rather sit in the back if that's okay with you you know, right. I mean, I'll go, but <laughs> right. you know, you got to talk them down. Don't get in that trunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, quote: You you don't want to wait for that car to be stopped because you don't know where it's going. Security expert Bill Slanton told the Inside Edition: As soon as you feel mentally and physically ready, pull that latch and run for your life. The Alabama yeah. woman's car was recovered by police, but the suspect has not been uh, has not been identified since. Oh man, you uh, know she's nervous. I almost don't think it's a bad idea to get with you know, a friend or family member and get in your own trunk and you know, have them standing outside and, and make sure you know how to get out of that thing. You know, huh. find where the latch is and get out. Yeah. Yeah, true. And if your Do car test, doesn't have a run. release, maybe rig something up. Right. Mm -hmm. Why not? Or put a, a cell phone in there with it, you know, turned off that you can turn on. Just have an old burner phone in your in your trunk. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's like, extreme. That's that extreme, extreme levels of preparation. That's that's some prepper shit right there. And then also, he, extreme heat and cold will kill that battery over time in your car too. So you'll that's have true. to you have to take it out and charge it from time to time. But I mean, like once a week, or even better, put a gun in there. 
There you like, go. Put a gun, <laughs> like where the where the uh, spare tire goes under that little carpet. Uh, put a gun in there to where what's that meme with the old guy where it's like uh, call nine one one, but not for me when he turns yeah, the gun. Not for me <laughs> when, when the when the uh, <laughs> when your abductor opens that trunk and they think they got you. You're just yeah. gun pointed right at him. Yeah, yeah. He acts like he has a heart attack. He's like, oh, call nine one one, but not for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's dope. That's a good idea. Oh my god, it's the best. <laughs> All right, so in May of 2015, a brave Florida woman may have saved herself and her children with the help of technology and pizza. Pizza? That's a win-win because, yeah. you know, you get saved and then also you get pizza for oh, it. Who doesn't want to celebrate on the, the afternoon, On the afternoon of May 4th, may the 4th be with you, of 2015, yeah. after Cheryl Treadway and her three children of Avalon Park, Florida, were held hostage by her boyfriend, Ethan Nickerson, for several hours, eventually Cheryl convinced Nickerson to let her order a pizza and the spaces for comments and special requests. So she did this on either her phone or his phone, with right? Like the Pizza Hut app. I think it was Pizza Hut. Um, in the comment section for special requests, she wrote, "Please help get nine one one to me and nine one one hostage help." So oh uh, made it clear that she was being held hostage. Um, they said, "Quote: We've never seen that before." Said the Pizza Hut manager, Candy Hamilton. I've been here twenty eight years and never, never seen anything like that come through. <laughs> the restaurant immediately contacted the Highlands County Sheriff's Office, who sent deputies to the listed lo location. After getting Treadway and one of her children out safely from the home, Lieutenant Curtis Luden, Luden began working to convince Nickerson, who was armed with a knife, to surrender. "Quote: His first words uh, were, of course, I'm not coming out because I know I'm going to jail.'" <laughs> <laughs> well, we coming in. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we're going to get you eventually. That was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. That was smart thinking yeah. right there. So after 20 minutes, Nickerson uh, agreed to come to exit the home, um, and Treadway's other two children, both unharmed, were also removed from the home. He was subsequently arrested and charged with accounts of aggravated assault with weapon uh, without intent to kill, battery, false imprisonment, and object, uh, obstructing justice by depriving communication to law enforcement. Quote, I don't know if I would ever have thought to. I mean, it's just something she did naturally, Lieutenant Luden said. The boyfriend never knew about it until he saw us coming around the corner. That is Brilliant. awesome. Yeah, there's all these different ways with technology now that you can get a message out there if you have to. Yes. Yeah, there is. We saw it with the Delphi murders with uh, one of the girls thinking to catch a snapchat video that's right uh of who would end up being their killer and hopefully that helps to, to get that person caught i know they have you know had some breaks in that case and maybe have the the killer in custody i don't know we'll we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that one but yeah anything you can use technology wise yeah get your uh, camera out start be. snapping pics <laughs> yeah <laughs> right if nothing else starts right. i can't believe he let he, this guy let her order on her phone, like so. She was just sitting on her phone or on a computer for, time. and it's like, who are you texting? Oh, nobody. It's just Pizza Hut. I'm just ordering a pizza. Oh, okay. Right. Like, how dumb was this guy? I don't think he was gonna. I don't think he was yeah, gonna do anything. I, I, I think, think he was, was just freaking out. He was gonna do anything. He was just. Yeah. He had taken it too far. That's what happened. He took it too far, and he was like, "Fuck! Now I got to make my point. I guess I'm gonna have to hold her hostage." But definitely better safe than sorry, because you never know. We've seen exactly cases get bad like that before, where they they you know. Someone feels like they have nothing to lose if you tell them you're going to leave them. You don't. I was just about to say you don't know. It maybe it was chill and calm then, but you don't know what that would have escalated to. Right. Maybe he was drinking more and more, and and she knew how he got when he drank and he mm -hmm. got violent. Yep. She had to get her kids out of there. Right on. Smart move. Yeah. So we have uh, basically a bunch of uh, different ways that this is courtesy of newsafety.org. Um, on surviving captivity, if someone has you held captive, 
They say, build a relationship with your captor. If you can build a bond with your captor, he, she will be generally more uh, hesitant to harm you. Regardless, it is not wise to antagonize them. Keep away from the subject of politics, especially if you're being held by terrorists or hostage takers who are politically motivated. Or just day-to-day conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just in general, stay away from just politics. Just stay away from politics. Conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, pay attention to what your captor has to say. Being a good listener can help you gather information that would be useful for an escape to hear to help police apprehend the abductor after you're freed. That's good information right there. Yes, it is. I never even thought about that portion of it. It's like get to know them so that if you do happen to get away, they can you know you have more info to help the police catch the person. Right, absolutely. Um, it says appeal to your captor's family feelings. If you both have children, you have a powerful bond already in place. If you have pictures of your family, consider showing them to your captors if the topic comes up. Keep your dignity. It is psychologically like harder for... I feel like that's a sketchy move, showing the pictures, right? That could go either way. It could make them go, Yeah, oh. what if they're like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll go snatch your kids up. Yeah, now. I already have your wallet here. Let's see, where do you live? Okay, cool. Let me mm-hmm. go back and get them. Oh, Jesus. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That would be a big backfire right there. Right, that's what I'm saying. That was the only one that kind of stood out to me where I'm like, mm, maybe feel it out. Maybe just mention that you have kids. Maybe yeah. say their names, but don't show pictures. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, says it is psychologically harder for a person to kill, rape, or otherwise harm a captive if the captive remains human in the captor's eyes. Do not grovel, beg, or become hysterical. Try not to cry. Try do not challenge your abductor, but show him or her that you are worthy of respect. Now this is good. We've advice. seen that. We've seen that happen several times. Yes, in, throughout cases, this where this, they humanize themselves. They mm-hmm. you know they try to befriend or you know do whatever they can to buy time. We saw it in the Todd Colehep case. Yep. Yep. It, it works. It works. This is this is the way. This is. I think this is the best way to go, especially if you have somebody that's holding you captive, because that person yeah. wants some type of relationship with you, some type of back mm-hmm. and forth, or they would have killed you already, right? So right. I think being someone who's calm, cool, collective, respectable, that kind of gives them reason to pause. Or maybe they're like, maybe this person has more to offer me alive. This person could be a really mm-hmm. good friend. You know, maybe you could kind of trick them. And pull, I mean, Caleb Brown in Todd Colep, in the Todd Colep case had him totally example. fooled. Totally fooled. To the extent that he didn't think he should be charged with rape because he thought their sex was consensual or whatever. Right. And I know that's got to be incredibly hard to convince a person of that when they're holding you captive and all that. But it, it it's, I think, in large part why she survived. Absolutely. And to get Todd Colep captured and, you have, and maybe saved several other lives in the process because he would he was not going to stop. Oh, no, 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 no. Todd Colep got what he wanted, but... Yeah. We got you got a great quote from her too here in the thing talking about staying positive and mentally active while you're being captive mm-hmm. being held captive it says think about what you'll do when you get back home hold conversations yep. in your head with friends and loved ones build that house in your head recite that poem think of puzzles to do ask for a book or a radio that's that's mm-hmm. advice from Kayla somebody who spent how long was she spending was it three almost 3 months I think it was yeah I think it was it's like 88 uh, days uh, two or something months or something like that yeah, yeah. That's so yep. wow. I mean, to stay that strong, to stay that positive, that mm-hmm. and this this makes sense, right? Think about your life after this. That's the only thing you can. I think do. that was something a lot of the um, Holocaust survivors said as well. Was like not giving up hope. You know, right? Just like thinking about what they were going to do when they got out of there. Yeah, that's the only thing that would drive you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but when all else fails. Uh, you have to uh, rely on grit and determination sometimes to live at all costs. And this is the case that was mentioned, uh, brought up to us by Danny that my dad actually had a connection to this one. In 1978, yeah. 15-year-old Mary Vincent 
hitchhiked from Las Vegas to California. She was born and raised in Vegas and was um, hitchhiking to California from Vegas. Um, she had gotten into a van, a creep van, uh, driven by a 50-year-old Lawrence Singleton, mm. who would go on to attack, rape, and dismember her before leaving her for dead. He would ultimately cut her arms off at the elbows and stuff her into a drainage pipe. Mm. Um, this this whole thing is just this. He he got she got in sadistic and he seemed like this harmless bitch. old man. He is a sadistic son. Of, he hated women. Um, he had I think he had gotten divorced and he had he wasn't even on good terms with his own daughter. Oh, and God. he just he he had this thing in his head where all women were whores or whatever. Right. You know a lot of these fucking scumbags think it has and, nothing uh, to do with the fact that he and, cuts off their arms. Nothing to do with that at right. all. I'm sure that's right. not why they hate him. So this went down as she had gotten into the van with him and he seemed like this harmless old man or whatever. Um, he said that he was heading to Reno, I think, and that he could drop her off in, in, uh, at her location in California along the way. However, she, she drifted off and took a nap and when she woke up, he was going in the wrong direction and she got a bad feeling about it. I think she like grabbed a stick or something inside the van and, and tried to like jab at him with it and tell her <laughs> to fucking, tell him to pull over and yeah. let her out. Um, he talked her down and convinced her that, you know, he was sorry he, that he would turn around and head in the right direction again. And um, they went to a gas station, I believe, and she got out to, like, stretch her legs. He went to the bathroom, and when he came back, he struck her over the head, mm. got her in the van, and he, she was, you know, really messed up from the blows to the head that he had delivered to her. He, like, forced her to drink alcohol that may have been laced with some sort of a, uh, drugs in it to incapacitate her. Yeah, like a sleeping he aid. proceeded <laughs> to... Yeah. Um, he proceeded to to rape her, and she was saying, you know, just let me go, let me go. And he said, oh, I'll let you go. And that's when he took her to the desert, um, laid her on the this, – this is one of the most sadistic, like, disgusting guys, man, I've ever heard about. Like, this crime is unreal. He laid her on the side of the road and went back to his van to get an axe and actually cut off her arms at the elbow one, one at a time. Mm. And uh, after that, he stuffed her into a drainage now, pipe Lauren, off she, the road in the desert. I just wanted to ask real quick: Was she unconscious at this time, or do you know? No, she was. She was fully oh conscious, God. but she was, she was drugged up and unable to really fight back. Mm. So she was aware of what was going on, but unable God. to fight. Um, he stuffed her into a, a drainage pipe in a culvert, and said, "Now you can go," and drove off, assuming that she would die out there. However. She did not die. With sheer grit and determination, she managed to get out of the culvert and started walking toward the distant noise of the I-5 traffic, her bloody stumps hanging down from her shoulders. People in the first car that saw her were so horrified that they turned around and fled, oh, but man, people in the right? second car stopped and got her to a hospital. Oh, my God. What's up, creepers? I want to take a minute to talk to y'all about graphic design. I wouldn't call myself a pro, but I've been designing logos and art since paint, so I've been at it a minute. There's nothing more frustrating than having a vision for a design in your head, but not being able to make it come to life. Whether the restriction is with your skill level, budget, or even subpar design tools. But luckily, now there's Canva Pro. And my designs are about to go pro as well. Canva Pro is the easy-to-use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. Whether you're a professional designer or just getting started, Canva Pro can help boost your team's productivity and creativity. It's a quick easy, and affordable way to design whatever you need. 
No matter what you're creating and sharing, Canva Pro has everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. Plus, Canva Pro comes with time-saving tools that simplify and speed up the creative process. You get all this and more in just one Canva Pro subscription. My favorite part about Canva Pro is the background remover. It saves me so much time that I used to waste manually erasing around objects I wanted to keep. Trust me, it sucks. There's no idea too big or small for Canva Pro. We're going to be implementing Canva Pro in all aspects of our show here. From postcards we send to listeners, to merch designs and episode graphics for social media. I know many of you are business owners yourself, or at least aspire to be. Now is your chance to look professional in all aspects of your business. My coach used to tell me, you look good, you play good. And I promise you, Canva Pro will have you looking good. So design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my promotion code. Just go to canva.me creeper to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash creeper. Canva.me slash creeper. Insane. So yeah, she had managed to to get help from the nearby couple, um, and after she received new prosthetic arms from the appendages that uh, Singleton had cut off, she addressed her uh, she addressed him as her attacker in the courtroom at his trial. Yeah. So after the attack, 15 year old Vincent was resilient and provided law enforcement with such a detailed description of her attacker that people immediately recognized the police sketch. Despite everything Singleton said, Vincent stood up in front of the court and pointed one of her hooked prosthetic arms at him. Uh, Vincent only referred to Singleton as my attacker, and she declared him in a firm voice that uh, he did this to her. Years later, when Florida police arrested Singleton for another crime, she unflinchingly testified again against him. Hell he would yeah. uh, he would go on to get out and uh, perpetrate another. He would he'd go on to kill a woman. We'll get to that in a minute. But during her recovery, specialists fit uh, Mary with prosthetics, and she returned to school adapting to her new disability. When authorities apprehended Singleton um, later in Florida, she would go on to testify, as we mentioned, but um, she, Singleton insisted that she was a prostitute throughout the trial, claiming he hadn't committed any crime that she had tried to rob him, was his story. Uh-huh. He also maintained that when someone else had been in the car, Vincent had threatened him with uh, false accusations, and called he called her a $10 a night whore. Wow. Authorities had overwhelming evidence against him and convinced him of multiple charges or convicted him of multiple charges, including kidnapping, attempted murder, and rape. He quickly left the courtroom after Singleton made a quiet comment to her. Uh, He later admitted that he had told her as he was walking out of the courtroom after being convicted, he said, I'll finish this job if it takes me the rest of my life. Yeah, that motherfucker, man. He's got some serious balls on him. Really thinks... (sighs) Thank God he, he wasn't able to. But just the the nerve of that. He just wanted to terrorize her just one more time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just live with this. Like, yeah, he knew he wasn't getting out. I mean, he, I mean, he knew that he wasn't going to do anything and try to attack her again. He just wanted to fuck with her. He just wanted to torture her for the rest of her life. And yeah. there's nothing you can do with words like that. Mm-hmm. You know? that That's pretty Mary fucked was- up. Mary was terrified at home. She was having trouble with her family and felt isolated to her specialized school for the handicapped. She moved away as soon as she graduated and became secretive about her life and location. In March of 1979, a a San Diego jury convicted Singleton of kidnapping, mayhem, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation. Although convicted, the penal system released 
Singleton less than a decade after his crimes against Mary, but not before he tried to sue her for robbery. Oh my God. The courts promptly dismissed his unsubstantiated case. So he tries to sue her. Son of a bitch. Unfucking like this guy is so evil. How do you get less than a decade for dismembering someone alive? That's what I'm saying, man. Like this is this is goes almost beyond attempted murder. This is like torture. I'm about to say, like, this is almost worse than someone who loses their cool in a in a physical altercation and shoots someone. This is this is like right. way oh, worse than that. Worse. And those people, worse. and there's people, yeah. But what I'm saying is, there's people spending life in prison because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's unbelievable to me that he he only that he this should have been a life sentence, hundred percent for that. He's a fucking sociopath, man. He plays the game when he's in prison. Prison guards and, and wardens how like, oh, they're nice to too. us. He's a great prisoner. You see, how does he get parole? Like, you know, you see his behavior. He tries to sue her for robbery after doing this to her. Like, you see that there's absolutely zero remorse. And he's almost zero. taunting, you know, he's taunting her. He was, you know, heard to have said that he'll finish the job if he gets the chance. You know, like... Was that his... That, that should have, that should have, you know, made sure that he served every day of his sentence at the very minimum. Well, but it, also that he should have gotten a, a longer sentence to begin with. Right. It just occurred to me, was that his sick reason for cutting off her, her hands, her arms? Because she had robbed him? Was that supposed to be like some type of message? You know how they used to do that back old school, like medieval times, you know? You get caught stealing, you lose a I hand. I don't buy that she robbed him at all. I don't buy that either. But I'm saying, is that his bullshit reasoning for why this was this was right. such an extreme retaliation? Who knows? Hmm. Um, Lawrence Singleton was... Uh, so notorious in California for his singular act that when he was paroled to Contra Costa County in 1987 after serving a bit more than half of his 14-year sentence, town after town refused to allow him to settle there, and he finally served out his parole in a trailer on the grounds of San Quentin ah, Prison. What you get, you son of a bitch? <laughs> Just stay yeah, California. there. Just stay there. Just don't even That's let him awesome. out. So he granted parole somehow. But California's like, no, man, you're fucking not coming to our town. <laughs> California's like, you. can't sit here. <laughs> can't <Nope>. sit here. <laughs> yeah. Keep on moving, son of a bitch. Amazingly, in April of 1988, Singleton was released uh, from parole, left San Quentin, and began to roam around the East Bay, living in living part of the time in Richmond. He would eventually move to Florida, um, where, uh, and at this time, where nobody Mary knew moved to Washington ass. State. That's why. Yeah, no one knew where you know about his horrible crimes in, in Florida, but they would soon find him doing another one right. in their state. Mary, meanwhile, had moved to Washington State and married a landscape designer in 1987, but that marriage did not last more than three years. And I'm sure, you know, Singleton shortly getting uh, getting out shortly after her marriage made things hard on their on their marriage because she was probably stressed beyond belief, knowing that her attacker, who had promised to finish the job, was now walking the streets. Right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, in, in the stresses and the the daily things that she had to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. just in a everyday scenario, and then you have to deal with your attacker could show up at any time as well. That added yeah. stress was probably just too much that early in her life. Yeah. She was so paralyzed with fear that she had difficulty leaving her home for routine errands. Eventually, she moved into a derelict gas station in, near Tacoma where she became anorexic, her weight dropping below 100 pounds. Wow. In September 14th of 1990, Singleton, now living in Tampa, Florida, was released from jail after serving 48 days for petty theft. Um, Kick him back out there. Why not? Right. 
a quote from uh, Richard Breshers, who was the lead investigator into Mary's case in 1978, said, when Singleton was incarcerated, she changed dramatically from someone who looked like she was on death's door to someone who began experiencing life and looking robust. Right on. It gave her peace of mind. Fucker, this sick bastard been behind bars for the rest of his life just to protect the public, but also to prevent further damage against the victim that he had perpetrated his crime from. Like, she can't live her life with him walking around, you know? Exactly. Especially after the promise that he made. And he and he confessed that he made that promise. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, the, and then the inevitable happens. He perpetrates another horrible crime on a woman. Wow. On February 19th, 1997, Roxanne Hayes, a 31-year-old sex worker and mother of three, was stabbed to death in Singleton's home in Tampa, Florida. Nine days after Singleton was released from a psychiatric hospital after attempting suicide. It's just too bad he didn't finish the job. Yeah, seriously. Uh, a sheriff's deputy knocking on Singleton's door found him in a blood-spattered shirt his blood, and a bloody corpse laying on the floor nearby that would uh, be identified as Roxanne Hayes. And, and he was just there waiting for them? Get, yeah. I don't, know why they, I don't know why they responded. You know, I went to his house maybe just to check on him, check up on him because he had just gotten out of the psychiatric hospital, but... Yeah, or maybe somebody called called the police because someone of probably screams. Someone noise I mean, from the house. I, it sounds like it was a violent crime. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, so I'm saying he stabbed someone to death. I'm sure that wasn't a quiet, a quiet thing going mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. And so on April 14th, 1988, Singleton was sentenced to die after a Tampa jury convicted him of first-degree murder in Hayes' death. And in 2001, with the help of Vincent's, te- uh, with Mary Vincent's testimony, she once again stood up there with her prosthetic arms and pointed at this man. Um, he would get the death penalty for the murder. However, unfortunately, shortly after that same year, before he could face the death penalty, he would die of cancer in a Florida prison hospital. Got off easy. Yeah. Man, you hear all these states bringing back like uh, firing squads and shit? Are they? Yes. I hear states are bringing back firing squads because of like because of lethal injection being in short supply. So like you oh. can have elect. Uh, there, I think some states are even bringing back the electric chair. Man, you can't get lumber. You can't get lethal injection. Right. Shit, like what the hell's can't going get on? Shit, man. <laughs> can't get nothing. Can't get gas. God damn. I didn't think it would can't go down workers? to lethal injection. Fucking. Equipment was uh, in short supply as well. Like, how many of those are they really doing? Uh, <laughs> I know, right? It seems <laughs> like they hold them people on death row forever. Right. Spread them out. Just you know. I don't got a problem with the firing squad, honestly. If you're if if, if you're okay with the death penalty in general, with you know capital punishment like that, like, yeah, that seems. I don't. I'd rather take that one than than the elect deal with the electric chair or the. I mean, a lot of these things don't aren't around anymore. Like the electric yeah. chair and the gas chamber and all that. But I, I firing just, squad seems like it's over pretty quick for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. I just wouldn't want to be on a firing squad, dude. I don't think I could deal with that. Yeah, they say that those guys have trouble dealing. That's with why. That. That's why I don't. I'm not particularly a fan of firing squads. Not so much for the for the criminal or for the mm. person getting killed. I mean, they're going to get killed either way, but and it's going to be pretty instant. But those guys firing, I mean, you have one firing squad. Do they rotate out? I mean, but if you just participate in one. You know what I'm saying? Like you have that, mm-hmm. you're gonna have that forever on your conscience. I know they, they only one of the people have a, a bullet, right? So that you're you're never quite sure if you were the one who actually killed the person or not. But oh, I thought everybody just shot at the same time. No, they they all everyone but one is blanks. 
And so they, they do that so that uh, oh, shit. You know, what they don't missed? carry that burden and with them the... knowing for sure that they killed him. Well, well they, they have like really good marksmen, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But all right. I didn't know that. I, I just assumed they all had bullets. And so they were just like, well, we can't tell. They all the bullets that could work so, either way. Yeah, I right. Mean, you could be you could be convinced that you were the one that did it. Yeah. Even though you may not have been. Exactly. I feel like it, it's just as effective to have one random bullet as it is for everyone to shoot. I feel like it's the same. It almost takes less. I mean, it's like, well, the the other seven bullets would have killed him if mine didn't. So exactly, that's it, what I'm saying. I almost think it's better just to have all of them fire. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, and you got less. Then of you're all error. in it together for sure. Rather than maybe you were the sole person that killed him. Yeah, exactly. And you knew that, right? <laughs> you could. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a sharpshooter, you know what a blank and a real bullet feels like. You, ha- I'm sure you do. Yeah, you know, them guys shoot enough. True. Mm, that's interesting. I had to look into that a little bit more. Yeah, man. And uh, by the way, so the, I, I alluded to having a connection through my father to the Mary Vincent case. My dad worked with Mary Vincent's brother and knew him pretty well. And when I talked to him about it, he told me that uh, her brother at the time, obviously following Mary Vincent's you know, horrible crimes perpetrated against her, he was apparently her brother was a badass. Like he knew martial arts. He was like a scary dude. And he was, yeah. he was saying a lot of stuff about if that, when that dude gets out, I'm I'm killing that motherfucker type of thing, right? Um, it took obviously a, a decade, and I don't know, you know, where her brother was at at that point or whatever. But pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Vegas is a small town, like, and it was a wild ass place back in the day. Um, my <laughs> grandfather owned a bar and a gas station in in like central Las Vegas during these times, and has a lot of crazy stories. One of them, he was abducted. This guy took him at gunpoint to the top of Charleston uh, when it was all desert back then and had him on his knees begging for his life and and uh, looked through his wallet, had his address, knew his kids, all that type, knew his kids' names, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And basically threatened his life and said that if you if you, you know, go to the cops, I'm coming back for you. And oh, he pulled that old move, right? his stuff. Yeah. Left him out in the desert and my grandpa had to walk back basically. But yeah, damn, that's yeah, that's scary. You think this may be the end, right? Especially why? Why is he taking me way out to the desert? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Why didn't he just grab his ID from the bar and throw him his wallet back? I feel like it's a waste of gas. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, right? Isn't it the same thing to just be like, just? Take but you got to have that like direct threat, I suppose. You know, where it's like you've he could have ended your life right there, but he chose not to. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But now I'm gonna be on the lookout. You ain't capturing me again, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sure your I'm sure your grandfather was on edge for a while though, right? You know he yeah. was, man. Had that shotgun under the bar. He was ready, boy. I know he I bet right. he was. Yeah. I'm sure he was anyway, but now more so. Now more so. All right. That, that's yeah. some pretty dope stories, man. Like you said, it's it's it was surprising to me, like how small of a town Vegas feels, like once you get there. Because it's mm-hmm. like, and it was know, way smaller back then. Right, way right. Smaller. It really is growing into a big city now. When you consider the suburbs, the different neighborhoods, and whatnot. Yeah, like Summerlin wasn't around. Right. Mountain's Edge wasn't around. Like all right. that shit was just desert. And I feel like was Henderson always so connected to Las Vegas down that way, or was there more of a gap there? I feel like there was more of a gap. I'm yeah. not sure though. I don't, I don't know Henderson real well. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like it's just spreading out. It's incorporated. It like blends into North Las Vegas now. Like it's just. It's so much, man. So much going on. Oh, yeah. 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 Like Vegas has grown so far north that, like, 
the turnoff from Mount Charleston is like two minutes outside of town now. It used to be a drive. When you're going to Mount Charleston, it's like a day trip. Like, yeah. we're going to Mount Charleston. <laughs> now it's like, it's like you're going to the grocery store. Like yeah. It's that close. Right, right. That's awesome, though. That's a nice getaway. If you got, if you ever go to Vegas or if you live in the desert, you want a little oasis, a little getaway. Mount Charleston, man, it's a great change of scenery. Beautiful. And it's so close. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. All right. So... Hope you guys enjoyed. Well, you know what it smells like in Mount Charleston. It smells like pine. Oh, dude, pine everywhere. That is true. I mean, almost as good. Almost as good as true crime pine, right? Almost. Almost. It's 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 just regular pine. If it had a little more of a true crime scent, I don't really know what does that. But whatever it is, Oh My Gaia has it for sure. Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, if pine is not your thing, don't sweat it. There is ton... <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, there, <laughs> there is no reason to worry because there are scents that will fit your style, fit your vibe, from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot amber... Barbershop, Pear, Sailor, so many new scents to choose from, and there are new ones being rotated in all the time. And of course, like we mentioned, we have our very own scent called True Crime Pine. If you don't know where to start, we suggest there, because you are a True Crime listener, True Crime Guys listener after all, and you can use the word Creeper for 15% off your order. C-R-E-E-P-E-R for 15% off your order at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A dot com. You guys will not regret it. Do it, do it, do it. All right. We got also what you should do is go rate and review the show on iTunes if you have a few minutes. Even if you just click five stars and throw in some fire emojis, we'll give you a shout out on the show. You got to write something in the description so that we can see it. Otherwise, it just goes down into the the star rating. That's it. Right, right, right. Um, I want to say thank you to J.P. Sherwood. Uh, from the U.S. said, awesome five stars. This is literally the only podcast that I, c- that I can get my wife to listen to on long road trips. The hosts are funny and charming. They're <laughs> good job covering each case. Well done, fellas. Thank you. Yes, thank you we so much. We got Chrissy Chrissy uh, in the U.S. Uh, threw some fire emojis in there. Five stars. This has been my favorite podcast since its inception. Lauren and Michael tell a true crime tale so well. They respect the victim and poke fun at the perpetrators in just the right way. A good time with every <laughs> listen. Sandu is also great, so definitely check out Strange and Unexplained. Right on. Right Thank on. You so Shout much. out both shows. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, yeah. And then we got uh, Sandy Cole, 91, in the U.S., said, Loving it. Five stars. It's always much fun to find a new true crime podcast. And after a couple of episodes, I was definitely sold. As someone that drives eight hours a day, it's important to have something that helps kill the time but also gets me in a good mood. True crime guys, y'all make me laugh. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much. Right on. Glad to ride with you. Yep. All right. And we also have a, a big, important shout out and uh, message from one of the listeners that they wanted to get out there. Um, and it's a, it, it's a heavy subject, but one that needs to be discussed. Uh, we agree. Um, we, we had originally agreed to do something on just the banter, but we thought that a topic of this seriousness and this importance, especially at this time, uh, I think would be better served in a, in a regular episode. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> so this is from Miss Kimberly. She says, Hey guys, I know from listening to you guys from the beginning that you're both very tuned into mental health. Sometimes uh, some of us just need an extra something when we go, when going through tough times. It's hard to articulate, 
But if somehow you could say something on just on one of your podcasts, just a banter, maybe just about how it's not shameful to seek help or selfish or weak or being a slacker, because guys, truly, it's so hard to get up, struggle through the shit of your day, go to bed and repeat day after day. I mean, after a while, you got to wonder what's the point, right? So seeking help or taking time out of whatever you got to do is better than opting out, right? I mean, someone's got to help you believe that because right now I seriously wonder. So Miss Miss Kimberly, we had a, a more of a conversation and she shared some stuff that, you know, she's been going through with family members um, right. that struggle with mental health as well. And I think it's definitely important just to remind people that it's it's there's nothing wrong with asking for help. There's many helplines for mental health and uh, no shame in it. So. Absolutely no shame and you're and you're absolutely not alone. Um, no. Lots of people are struggling with that. People who have never struggled with it before are struggling mm -hmm. with it now. So you're absolutely not alone. Um, I hope you don't... I mean, I know it's, it's, it's hard not... To, it's impossible to not feel depressed, but feeling depressed and alone and isolated just makes it that much compounded. Um, mm -hmm. But I think th things are picking up, right? Things are picking up. Things are opening yep. back up. Good days are ahead. That's right. Getting some sunshine, going to the park, uh, being being social, maybe talk to someone new, you know, gives you a new perspective, kind of uh, gives you that that recharge, that social recharge that, that makes you feel like you're not invisible anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it does, it does the brain and the heart good. So that's right. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Uh, so... Let's let's get to some uh, some quick plugs of our stuff, and then we'll get out of here. So right. uh, patreon.com slash truecrime, guys, two bucks a month, get you access to our premium episode that we put out every month. Once a month, we do an episode just for Patreon members. Usually it's longer. A lot of times it's heavy hitter, mm -hmm. um, serial killers and things like that. There's three plus hour episodes on there. We've been doing it. We've had a Patreon page for three years now or so. Um, there's so much content on there now. available for just two bucks. Just two bucks gets you access to uh, a yeah. lot of our content on there. If you want to go up to five bucks a month, you get e even more. You get the Just a Banter weekly episode that we put up. We mm -hmm. record every Friday. We answer listener questions and scenarios and all kinds of fun stuff on there. You get to know us a little bit more in our personal lives and our you know our thoughts on our favorite foods, our favorite cars, that type of thing. You know, right? Favorite fabric. Pick our someone people asked. pick our brain on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and that also gets you the very prestigious gold Creep Van sticker as well for the five dollar tier and ten dollar mm, tier. You get to have a conversation with us. That's right. Um, Danny, we just talked to her for an hour. It was just us and her. Um, yeah. And that was, that was a good time. It sure um, was. So, guys. yeah, there's yeah. much to be had on there. Go check out our Patreon page. Check out our social media, at True Crime Guys. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a closed Facebook group where a bunch of like-minded creepers like yourself can you know, find a home, and you can talk about whatever you want. You can post right. memes or whatever. It's run by Michelle K., longtime creeper. Um, so, yep. yeah, check that out as well. Absolutely. All right, and if you've uh, checked out everything True Crime, guys, check out Strange and Unexplained. Guys, like the review mentioned earlier, Strange and Unexplained is a little over a year old now. I don't know if you guys can believe it, but if you still haven't tried it out, go give it a listen. Wherever you listen to podcasts, new episodes come out every Monday. That's Strange and Unexplained. Um, the logo will look the similar to ours. First, yeah. most original. <laughs> the OG, Strange and Unexplained, where the title is just Strange and Unexplained. I didn't have to add anything because there was no other one. So, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> also, check out our merch, truecrimeguys.threadless.com, and I'm done. All right. All right. Anything else? You good? I'm good, man. All uh, right. Thank you all for your support. We love y'all. Keep creeping. Uh, is next week a Patreon? Uh, yes, sir, it is. So, oh, baby. Patrons only. We'll see you next week. 
That's right. All right, guys. Keep creeping. See you next week on Patreon. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.